Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Kate Nix, songwriter, showgirl, seamstress, and wrestling enthusiast from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her latest singles, Bedded on the Bootstraps and Changeling, can be found on her bandcamp along with her last full-length record, Sage and Silver Bullets. With Matt, Kate discusses her love of wrestling, her clothing line, Closet Champion, and what it's like to design costumes for wrestlers. They chat about her podcast, Bump and Grind, which she co-hosts with her husband, the wrestler Ophidian the Cobra, and they chat about the wrestling-themed burlesque show Tasselmania, as well as Glob, the gorgeous ladies of burlesque. And so, from her online store to her neighbor's annoying dog and the struggles of back pain, here's presenting Matt Storm and Kate Nix. And welcome to another episode of Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is the one and only Kate Nix. Kate, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. I've been following your work for so long now, and I'm an... I'm annoyed at myself that it took us so long to actually become more friendly on the internet and in person, thanks to wrestling. Yes, wrestling really, honestly, like, I I never expected it to, but wrestling really has changed my life. It, it's really funny, too, because, like, I always used to like wrestling, and then I fell out of it for a while, but it was like Schaefer and Bunny's re-falling in love, well, Bunny falling in love, and Schaefer's re-falling in love with wrestling that has expanded... Like my social circles, my internet friends, all sorts of stuff because it there's just so much interconnectedness with it. And it, yeah, well, it's also that wrestling is getting a lot better again. I feel like um, I feel like there was like a dark period in the mid two thousands. Yeah, um, that it was just like a a destitute mess that people didn't really want to touch, and then it started getting good again. But it was trying to overcome this reputation again, and yeah, I think it was a lot. So the first act I ever saw of yours was actually at the first Nerd Less Fest, which I had DJed. Um, you did your Moonrise Kingdom act with Liberty Rose. Mm-hmm. And back then you were going by a different performer name. Um, yes. Haley Jane. Um, yes. And so I remember seeing that act and being like, well, I haven't seen the movie. This was awesome. And now I have to go see the movie. Um, but... Uh, that duet was so brilliantly made and it left such an impression on me for both of you. Um, what was the process for creating something like that? Because it had such an ambiance and specific tone that I feel like I don't see in a lot of duets in burlesque. Well, I mean, a lot of the that specific number, a lot of the, the value of the production like the, that was behind that was Liberty. Liberty is an obsessive film addict and she's obsessive... She, she's just a she's like an obsessive fan of film and it works in film and has worked in all different areas of film so when she did her sexploitation folly show for wes anderson she asked me to be the other half of the moonrise kingdom duet and um she ended up making a lot of the production decisions like really that number i had a little bit to do with the choreography mm-hmm. but uh, and some of the music choice kind of but um, other than that, it was really, that number was like really all of her, uh, what I think makes that was the, I mean, as far as like what I liked about the number was I loved our props. Like mm-hmm. I liked our, I liked the record player and the, I, I liked how it, we, we created a little set and I liked our little set that we had and that was all her. Um, and we made the costumes together, um, and choreographed it together. Um, but yeah, we just... When we tribute something, we don't go halfway. Like we're not gonna da- we're not gonna dance to the Star Trek theme song in a Star Trek outfit. Like we're gonna make it feel like the thing. Well, yeah, and I mean, you you both have done, and especially you've done so many nerdy acts, ranging from specific references to kind of more obscure, making it your own. Like you have a Martian act that I love. That's you know, it, it's definitely attributed to a lot of different things from old school sci-fi, but it's your own character. It doesn't feel like you're referencing a specific person. Yeah, that the Martian number is like, 
it's like barely it's like me saying I have a Ray Bradbury number because I have a four five one tattoo. It's not like really it's not really right. connected to anything. Um I mean it's it has the the uh the voiceover from uh Martian Chronicles. But yeah, it's for me burlesque has always been about creating um about creating theater from the ground up, about like being able to make an entire show by yourself. Um, that's what always appealed to me about burlesque. Um, it's also what appeals to me about producing variety shows, um, as a musician and a costumer and a performer. Um, I find that I can enjoy basically any part of show business pretty heartily. So in situations where I can do all of them, I just enjoy the product that much more. Well, sure. I mean, uh, as far as people I've interviewed, you are probably the, most renaissance woman person renaissance being at least that i've had on the show because you play write and play your own music you you make costumes you do burlesque you you know uh you you have this huge range of skill and talent and like i've always been astonished on how you managed to do it all was there ever one thing that you wanted to do that led to the others or have you always kind of just been an artistic whirlwind of doing these different things um i i think i've always done i mean i can remember doing all the things that i do now for as long as i can live mm-hmm. like i remember i remember writing music and writing songs from a very young age. And I remember dancing and making up dance routines from a young age, um, including stripping from neighbors <laughs> at a young age. Um, I mean, I was definitely the little girl that lifted her skirt over her head in church. So um, I've always, yeah, I've always done all of it, I think. I've always been an actor and a writer and an illustrator and a performer and a singer and a songwriter and a storyteller. I've always done those things. And I remember like when I was a kid, people would ask what I wanted to be. And I said any number of things. I wanted to be an illustrator and a makeup artist and a rock star and all these things. So, yeah. I guess That's, in some way it's exactly what I've always set out to be. Well, I think way. it's really awesome though, and I think I feel like it. All of the art inf- obviously informs itself, but like so, for example, I've been listening a lot to your latest song that you released on Bandcamp, Changeling, which I love. Thank um, you. But what's really interesting to me about it, since I've been listening, you know, to your stuff pretty much since uh, Sage and Silver Bullets, is when I first discovered your the music side of what you did. Um, Changeling has this old school Appalachian folk vibe that I really dig that it doesn't seem outside of what you would do, but definitely seemed a little different from a lot of the other stuff I had been hearing. Um, is it just something that you wanted to, um, you know, work on more or are you just kind of open to doing any kind of genre of music as long as you can make it? I think for me, when I make songs, the genre isn't important so much as... I'm so sorry for this dog that is next door to my house. Can you hear it? No worries. I can. It's fine. I I was going to say something. I was going to be like, is that your dog? But the fact that it's it's not not, even your dog... It's not even our dog. It's not (laughs) our dog. We live in an apartment that is... I have the gain turned like all the way down on my mic, too. So I'm really doing it as best as I can. It's all right. No worries. No, it, it does this every time we record a podcast. <laughs> it, it, like, without, knows. Without fail, every time I sit down to record something, the dog starts bark- barking. Like, it is in so- music of mine, that fucking dog. <laughs> um, but when I set out to write a song, the genre isn't important to me so much as that the song feels like what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the reason that music to me feels more vulnerable than just like writing poetry or a post on Facebook or something. Like the reason that music feels more emotionally, like you can't deny that certain notes evoke certain feelings. Mm -hmm. And did you notice that the second I started talking about the important thing, the dog started barking again? I did notice that. 
Okay, cool. It's like when I was talking about the dog barking, it shut up. And then I started talking again. And it was like, nope, now's the time. I could tell you that I'm going to edit him out, but I won't because I don't really edit the conversations that much. So it's just, you know, for the audience to enjoy. It's ambiance. The dog is here, too. This is the dog. We call my my sister and I call him Mean Dog. Mean Dog? Because you don't actually know the name. We don't know the name of the dog, but we call it Mean Dog. Like, you know what I mean, dog? <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. it. I approve. Um, the, it's the same thing like when someone says, shit, girl, and you say, ugh, shit, girl. <laughs> <laughs> we do a, my sister and I do a lot of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I, so when I write music, for me, the most important thing is that the notes sound like the way the words feel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not so important to me that I'm evocative of any certain genre that I am that the t- tone of the song is correct. Like, Changeling sounds like Changeling because it couldn't sound like anything else. Whereas mm-hmm. the other songs I've written can't be anything but punk songs or can't be anything but folk songs or whatever. Like, I wrote that song in GarageBand. I made the beat first and then the bass line. And I was going to add more instruments to it, but I put the vocals, I just started singing over top of it. And I was like, this doesn't really need anything else. I'm going to put some weird little like ambient noises, but I listened to it and I was like, no, this is, it's done. Sometimes they aren't done. There's a song that I have right now that I'm working on that's been mixed five different times and had different instruments. And like, it's, I have no idea when I'm going to release it at this point. <laughs> Do you have a lot of songs like that where you start to create it and then have to like put it to the wayside because you just don't know what to do with it or how to finish it, finger quotes? 100%. I have so many, I have so many songs that I either like write and record and forget. Like I write them, I record them, or I perform them a couple times, and then I forget them immediately and never touch them again. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have music that like I either start... Um, I swear to God, I'm not going to kill the dog because the dog doesn't know any better. It's their dumb owners. Sure. But I just, it's I just want to take that the dog's do- fault. It's not that dog's fault. I just want to take its own. I just want to punch its owners in the face. The owners also have a Trump Pence sign in their window. Ugh. And the only, per- only people who can see the window is our apartment because we're like, the houses are that close together. Like it's a Philly row home. So like our the walls of the next door house are like eight feet from us and we're the only people who can see their window and there's a Trump Pence sign in it. Hey, that's, uh, and, <laughs> and, and so, uh, so you are in Philadelphia, which I, I have quite a few friends who are out there. Um, what mm-hmm. area of Philly are you in? We live in South Philly. Oh, okay. I actually yeah. know quite a few folks out there. Um, yeah. and have you always lived in Philly? Is that where you've always done burlesque and lived? Uh, no, I used to live in Detroit. That's actually where I met my husband. Um, I'm from Lancaster, uh, sort of. I'm not really from anywhere. I was I was born in Delaware and raised in southern Southern PA, and um, lived in Detroit for a little while as a kid, and then lived in Detroit for a little while as a teenager, and uh, became a young adult there, and then moved back to Philadelphia. So, like, I have friends in the area who went to my high school, but. I don't know any, but like nobody who knew me from age 18 to 21 is anywhere near me. <laughs> wow. I imagine that all that moving around, though, informed the art that you made. Well, I mean, I was living in my car for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I moved back to Philadelphia was because I was living in my van. Um, I had a Dodge Caravan uh, that I lived in. And um, I lived in it for six months. Um, because I'd lost both of my jobs in Detroit. Well, I lost one and I got hired for a new job, but the job that they were having me do wasn't actually what I was hired for. So like they hired me to be the manager of their costume store and make patterns. But what they were actually asking me to do was redo their email system. And I was like, I don't have the, like, I don't do this. Right. (laughs) Like... (laughs) This isn't what you asked of me. I'm just the only person under 45 here. And it's always fun when jobs do that, right? Yeah. So um, I had lost one job because the store stopped existing and then that job happened and it wasn't really fit to do it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able, I can't do this job. They're not going to keep me on. I was going to go live in my car. So I lived in my car for six months. And then I moved to Philly because that's where people who could 
house me lived mm-hmm. like my friend my best friend from high school lived on this farm and um she let me stay with her uh, she and her dad let me stay with her for a little while until i moved in with my now husband Awesome. And so let's let's talk a little bit about that uh, because your husband's a wrestler and you make wrestling costumes and yes. commissions and you've done a wrestling show. I really got to know you when we were prepping for Tasselmania, which was a wrestling show. Um, so did you always love wrestling or is that something that you kind of realized later and got into after you met him? I, I married wrestling, so... <laughs> um. I married wrestling, and I swear to God. <laughs> it's okay. keeps it organic. The dog keeps it organic. The dog is like, she's so real. So real. <laughs> so real. Um, I, I, when I was falling in love with my husband, it meant falling in love with wrestling because without it, he wouldn't be my husband. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way for me to love the man that I'm with mm-hmm. without loving wrestling. Sure. There's no possible, they are one and the same. Um, but, um, it's, it's a, it's one of those th- things where it's like you marry the person who has the right things wrong with them. Right. Yes, absolutely. We have the right things wrong with each other. <laughs> like that's wonderful. We have the, we have the right problems for each other to handle that makes the relationship work. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have a huge issue with like uh, oversharing, mm-hmm. and um, what you? That seems so yeah, unlike you. I have a I have a problem with oversharing, and then I marry someone whose face isn't visible to the public. Right. So like, no matter what in my life, there's like this protected part that nobody else can see. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog, however, is trying to give away all my secrets. Apparently. Like I know what his face looks like. <laughs> um, well, yeah, uh, and so I imagine he he was wrestling before you met him. Um, mm-hmm. You make his costumes now, correct? Yes. Um, when when did so? How far into the relationship was the request to make his first costume? A year. Awesome. That's so cool. I, I yeah. just it's I nerd out about that stuff. You know, talking about marrying someone who has the right things wrong with them. Like me and my wife always talk about how we're both high strung, anxious people and really nerdy, yeah. but we're yeah. able to be anxious at separate times to console the other, you know. Or mm-hmm. we'll or we'll bond together and be anxious together. But for the most part, like one's the rock while the other isn't. Like we just have that trade off really managed fairly well, which I yeah. think is just is always a good quality in a partner being able to kind of share the load. Um, but I think the, the, the thing that is the same about my husband and I is our like almost, uh, like almost reckless willingness to throw ourselves at something in order to make it happen the way we want it to. Mm-hmm. Like we will beat our heads against a wall for as long as possible in order to make the thing happen. Right. Um, we're both like like suspiciously dedicated um and to like to a point of sometimes like physical injury <laughs> in both of our cases of course um but yeah that's the uh, it was a it was a year in and with the first set of gear i made him it was so hard that like i remember screaming like sitting on the ground for basically 2 days just like screaming and crying and not being able to figure it out and not being able to communicate with him about it because he had never described the way a piece of clothing fit to another human being before sure and i was a person who had all this vocabulary and all these things all these questions and he didn't have any way to answer it so it was just this like 3 day long fight <laughs> and i swore that i would never make wrestling gear ever again and then a student needed some gear, and the person who was supposed to make it fell through, and I was the only person available. And then another student needed some gear, and then someone else needed gear, and then it was my full-time job. That's so cool how that just kind of happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, wrestling gear makers aren't a thing that... It's not like a, it's not a fun job. It's really hard. I'm sure, yeah. All, all the time. <laughs> like, it's, it's, um, it's a really cool thing. Like, it's a really fun... Uh, it sounds like fake, like pro wrestling gear designer. Sounds yeah. like a, a made up I job. Go, I want to go paint elephants for a living. <laughs> like it sounds like nonsense. It sounds like a bunch of word salad. But um, the actual like 
getting down to brass tacks, like it's very physically demanding because you have to manipulate a lot of like high tensile materials and use carcinogenic glue and um, the stuff that you make has to not only look sparkly and showmany, but it also has to stand up to serious physical abuse Mm -hmm. um, and look good the whole time and look good for a long time. Um, So it's a, it's a lot. It's a, it's a pretty taxing job, but we do get to make awesome stuff and then see it on TV and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool too. That is awesome. And it must've been like this weird collision of things you love when prepping for Tasselmania. Cause you made your own costume, which was mm-hmm. insane. Cause that costume was ridiculous. And, th- and then, and by the way, I mean ridiculous in the most complimentary way. Um, Thank you. Um, and then you got to record a promo for, the lead up to Tasselmania. So like, Oh yeah. My whole life was preparing for that. Like I, I I can't like, I was, (laughs) I, when I started, well, I did like, I actually didn't do that many takes of the, of the, um, promo because I was like, so prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I did like two takes, um, because I was so, uh, so ready. I was so ready for my promo. Um, I have, uh, valeted a couple times. Mm hmm in wrestling, uh, both for my husband and for others. Uh, but I had never, I never got a chance to use like, cause I, um, spoiler, I'm a ghostwriter for Ophidy and the Cobra of slash course. Orboros. Sure. Um, we write a lot of his promos together. Mm-hmm. He'll do a considerable amount of it, but there's definitely like sometimes whole days where we'll go back and forth about the right wording and how to tell the story best. So, um, it was nice to be able to use that skill that I developed outside of burlesque for burlesque. I, I think my favorite thing about that show too is the fact that everybody showed up wanting to play. Like no oh, one, yeah. no one was there, and there were performers that like I know who like to act or who you know like or who like to be showy but don't necessarily watch wrestling like I love Sapphire Jones and I've known her for so long but she's not Mm -hmm. someone I think of when I think of wrestling yet she was perfect for that show and so like all of that coming together like the fact that I got to cut a promo insult Schaefer and then get my ass kicked by Baron Anatomy was as someone who grew up watching wrestling and used to do backyard wrestling was like so fulfilling it was seeing it was seeing Schaefer do stuff in the ring at Glob yeah. was awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> like like Schaefer and Bunny were so excited and happy to be there. It was incredible to like I don't know, it's just sometimes like being in the show is sort of the payment for the show. Yeah. Oh totally. Glob was Glob was one of those situations where I was like, I'm just glad that I got to like Tasselmania was part was one of those too. Where yeah. It's like just being there was the best part. Yeah, totally. And for those just who making it was the best part. For those who don't know, Glob is Gorgeous Ladies of Burlesque, which is a yes. play on Glow, which was the um, the Netflix series and the Women's Wrestling League um, that it's based on. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing photos of that, and then I talked to Schaefer after the fact. I don't remember where I'd seen him after he had done it, but he, I was talking to him. He's like, "Yeah, we were in the ring for hours, getting thrown around like crazy, and I just never wanted it to stop. Like he was just like a kid in a candy store, just talking about it." Yeah, um, it was it was really fun, and the fact that we were like it was important to me as someone who is a part of the wrestling industry and a part of burlesque that um, everything be represented in the best light. Right, of course. Like that, like people who see burlesque for the first time at that show and people who saw wrestling for the first time at that show both went away saying, "I want to see more of that." Right. Um, and that was really what was most important to us about the show in general. Uh, but that whole like. That I mean, it might have ruined that show. Might have ruined my life because I can't, you know, I can't, you know, do walking good all the time uh, anymore. Yeah. But um, it was really important to me as like someone in the burlesque industry being able to be the first ever burlesque pay per view uh, in oh, existence. It's just such was, such a brilliant idea too. Like, perfect. Yeah, it's for me. I think that was the most like that was the most special part for me was being able to be one of the first burlesque shows ever to, to use live video in that way. Yeah. 
Um, I want to shift back to your music a little bit and talk about the fact that since um, Sage and Silver Bullets, you've mostly just been releasing singles. Um, I was curious if there is another full-length album in the work, or are you just going to stick with one-off singles for now? Well, the thing is, for me, like, the way that I make work, like, I... I do kind of have an album EP sort of thing in the works right now, right. but I'm less likely to call it an album because I I really went all out on Sage and Silver Bullets. Mm-hmm. Like I really did as like if if that was the last record I ever made, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. Like I really I I pushed my limit and I obviously there are some things that I still like I'm still finishing the Kickstarter like my 2018 resolution is to finish my Sage and Silver Bullets Kickstarter uh-huh. which was done in 2014 so like obviously I didn't succeed the best at it but I'm learning but because I went so hard on that record I feel weird about calling anything I produced since then like even if it was a collection that could have been considered a record like right. to me that's a record so can I really call it an album if I don't go as far as I did for that? So I'm like trying to come to terms with the fact that me and my garage band could still be called an album now, <laughs> now that I've like had the real thing. Yeah. Um, so while I don't necessarily plan to re- release singles indefinitely, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be releasing a full length, like cohesive album anytime soon because. A lot of the stuff I write is like everything I'm writing right now is kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, if I do release anything, there's going to be an EP that's like four to six songs all about kind of the same stuff. And then a collection with it that'll just be everything I've recorded that I haven't released up until now. Mm -hmm. Like anything I have on my computer that has never seen the light of day, I'm just going to like put all that in a folder and be like, have this. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Here's stuff. Here's stuff. Uh, guys, I did it a little while. I did it um, when I started, had to move into my car. Um, the Dollhouse Collection mm-hmm. was just like, here's all the stuff on my computer that I've recorded. Um, and I've amassed definitely an infinite collection of MP3s of demos that are never going to see the light of day otherwise. Um, though I do post them on my Patreon every once in a while. Um, uh, I'm trying to be better at posting more music stuff on the Patreon. Failing so miserably at fulfilling the Kickstarter really (laughs) messed me up. Yeah. Like, I really, uh, I've only recently forgiven myself for how badly I did. So now I can, like, finish it because I finally admitted to myself that it was a terrible, like, I've grieved how poorly I did. Mm. So now I can actually get it done because I'm not so busy being ashamed about it. Um, But, yeah, it's like, it's, it's hard to move past that record because I it's like the t-shirts are still under my, under my bed yeah. and until they get out from under my bed I can't I feel like I can't do anything else I hear you yeah I mean I think also that's my like I do a lot of different things and I have a terrible fear of starting a Patreon or anything like it because I'm afraid well what if I can't fulfill enough stuff or what if I don't fulfill anything and yet so yeah. I totally get that in this kind of self-made DIY culture you can you can kind of fall behind really easily um but speaking especially because my whole life is freelance like it's not like i have a day job and then i come home and that day job has a regular like all of my creative stuff has to turn into money or else i can't do it right like unless i can justify the amount of time it would take like fortunately for music because it obviously helps me in an emotional way Mm -hmm. i can justify it like i can say okay it's worth me spending my energy on this for however long in order to like fulfill my needs right but any most other stuff like unless there's a dollar sign at the end of it i can't consider it because i have to do stuff that makes me money right (laughs) like like i i have such limited energy anyway like it's hard for me to it's hard for me to get to where i need to be no matter what adding the like doing art for fun i don't like be real yeah no of course especially you know being freelance like there's no boss you're the boss saying so yeah you know when shit doesn't get done no one's to blame but you and that's always that's sometimes even harder yeah and it's really especially because like you're a person and you're also your own employee and it's like it's hard to be the person who has to reprimand yourself at the end of the day for doing stuff wrong because you just get like caught in your 
caught on your feedback loop. And if you have any kind of mental health anything yeah. that can connect to an actual fail failure in performance, jeezy crazy. Wait, are you saying that it's hard to fail at art because we're so critical of ourselves? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. It's, it's a lot. Uh, well, that's the thing. That's part of why I, I get so weird about burlesque stuff. Is sure. Like, I feel like it's not critical enough sometimes. I feel like there's a lot of like, you're so beautiful and everything is so great all the time. And I'm like, okay, but how are you going to get any better, dude? Yeah. Like, you gotta, you gotta hear some bad stuff every once in a while. Well, right. You can't get better. First of all, everyone always has room to grow and get better, but you can't get better if you don't want to hear what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. but uh, shifting gears a little bit about some of the DIY stuff you do and your brilliant Teespring site, um, talking about the Thank shirts you. you've made. Um, so Thank you. Yes, I'm very hilarious. You are very hilarious. I mean, I, I, I think that's why I last You couldn't to- hear because it, it was on headphones, babe, but Matt Storm said I'm very hilarious. <laughs> Does he not agree? I won't believe it until I hear it. <laughs> He's, he said he doesn't believe it until he hears it. Well, he'll have to listen to the podcast when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, so the, the shirts that you made, you have, my favorite collection is the social justice warrior and beyond D and D collection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, social justice, ranger, wizard, paladin. Um, uh, we have a, we have, there's a bunch of them. There's like, I think there's like 12 or 13 classes to choose from now. That idea obviously just comes from being a nerd and liking D and D, but was that yes. just like, I can't stand the bullshit about people shitting on social justice warriors. So I'm going to make other classes. Like where did well, that no, idea come like, from? It was like, if I, if I'm not a social justice warrior, because I'm not a warrior class, right? You're like, I've never been a warrior class. I've always been a bard class. Yeah. And, um, Someone made some like joke and either in a conversation or on Tumblr or whatever that was like, what about social justice druid? And I was like, what if you made shirts that said all the things on them? Yeah. And and, and then I did. I'm not the only person who's done it. There's, yeah. There are there are multiple people that have done the um, have who have made social justice class T-shirts. Um, and I'm not even the most comprehensive range, but uh, people seem to like my like iconography and design stuff well so my favorite thing is that i haven't pulled the trigger on one yet because i'm having a crisis as you saw on facebook and the fact that you and ludal for douglas and a couple of others chimed in but the reality is in D &D, i tend to play a warrior because i i like fighter types i like protective types but Mm -hmm. but in reality that's not me i am a dj and i'm an artist and so bard is closer to me and so Mm -hmm. i I just i have to decide like do i want something i can wear to a D &D session do i want something i can wear to a burlesque show like you know it's it's tough it's it's not an easy choice well if you want you can use the code burn it down for free shipping and get both (laughs) which is probably what's going to end up happening in the long run um, just because the longer I decide, the more I'll go, well, maybe I'll get one of each or, you know, all of them. Yeah. Um, the the idea to start, because you, you have, you know, Kate Nix related stuff, but you also have like an executive producer Dick Wolf shirt, which. Yes. Because my wife had a five episode run on SVU. Like I see that and I just laugh. I think it's cool. Well, great. that's the thing is, like, I, I wanted that shirt. I just wanted it. Yeah. I just wanted that shirt. <laughs> and so you I, made I it. Wanted a sh- I wanted a shirt that said executive producer Dick Wolf on it for, like, 10 years. Yeah. So I was like, and there were other people that had made it, but none of them were using the right font. Right. Or it wasn't the right size or whatever. Like, it wasn't the one that I wanted. So I you got the it. one that I, I made it. <laughs> and it's just it's it's stuff like that 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 I think is really great about your store and the fact that you have such a large variety of you know ridiculous things like you know saying that you don't really care about Doctor Who which from what yeah. I gather is true you know or no talent hooker which I believe Bunny has one of those shirts I've yeah seen. that was the it was the guy who like came on my Facebook and said a bunch of terrible shit about me and I was like okay I'm gonna turn all your terrible comments into T-shirts <laughs> and then donate the proceeds to Planned Parenthood. Which which also is a brilliant idea. Um, these t-shirt designs, you know, of course, they're black, you know, black, you know, solid t-shirts with, yeah. for the most part, words on them, sometimes photos as well. Um, mm-hmm. Did the designs from these just come from literally just a joke online or something you want and then you just make it? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, hundred percent. That's that's exactly what happens. That's that's amazing. 
So, well, it. because Teespring makes it so easy uh-huh. to set stuff up too. Like it's all you have to do is if you have any cursory knowledge of like Illustrator or Photoshop, like it's so easy to make a T-shirt. Yeah. Like it's it's nothing and it's no upfront cost. Yep. And the reason I started doing Teespring was because I had a tumor. Um, in my right ovary uh, in 2015, uh, right after I released my record. Basically what happened was like I released my album and then I got married and then I went to a psych ward for six days and then I was out for two weeks and then I had a tumor. Oh, jeez. And it was like all within the same two-month period. And then we lost our insurance. It was a whole big thing. Oh, man. Um, so like, and that was what happened right after the record release, like the year of the record release, which is partially why it got so goofed up. Mm-hmm. But... Anyway, when I um when I had my tumor, I couldn't work, obviously, um, and I was on new psychiatric medication, which I wasn't talking about because I was scared about telling people I went into a psych ward. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I couldn't I couldn't work, and honestly, the doctors told me not to work anyway because part of the reason I went in was because of my job, and uh, I couldn't make any I couldn't do anything, so. I was like, okay, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna make a mermaid rights activist shirt because I thought that was funny because I hate MRAs and I want right. a shirt that says mermaids rights activist, and I put it on Tumblr and it went as viral as a Tumblr post needs to be in order for you to make money off of it. Right. So, um, yeah, and then that started my love affair with Teespring. Yeah, it's a great site. I mean, me, who barely even has any knowledge of Illustrator, like, they give you fonts of their own you can use, too, to make shirts and oh, yeah. images. Oh, yeah, just, like, some and, person like, who wanted to make something for a birthday or whatever, yeah, it's a super great little setup. It's it's just so brilliant. To, to the it, They make it so easy and intuitive that if you just have a few ideas and some logos and stuff, you can just make a thing. Yeah, and it's also helpful for someone who, like, like myself, who is primarily a lot of the content that I create is to be enjoyed by an online audience. So it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to like have merchandise. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make sense for me to have a stock of merchandise because I'm not performing live places. So I'm not selling it in the same way, mm-hmm. but I can make whatever shirt design I want on Teespring. And if no one buys it, no harm, no foul. Yeah, no, for sure. The fact that there's no upfront costs is what I love about it as well. That, you know, people order and then it ships. And it, mm-hmm. it's a brilliant way to do something like that. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your podcast, uh, Bump and Grind, um, yes. which you do with your husband. Um, well, we did once. Who knows if it'll ever be back. Well, right. Um, so... Um, so it did stop. Um, is there a reason that you'd stop making it? Um, well, my husband got put into, got tombstoned into a casket mm. um, and buried alive mm. and uh, emerged without his mask. So we've been waiting until some things, some plans occur, some things go into motion mm-hmm. before we restart again. We have gotcha. some secret plans that have to be done before we come back. That makes me, as as someone, first of all, but the fact that you said buried alive and tombstoned in the same sentence to someone who grew up loving The Undertaker, who's still my favorite wrestler, uh, this just all makes me very happy. This is just awesome stuff. But um, fortunately, by the time this gets this comes out, mm-hmm. it will have happened already. Oh, cool! The stuff that will ha- that will have ha- that are supposed to happen will have happened already. So hopefully, by the time this comes out, there will be a new episode of Bumping Grind podcast. Amazing, awesome! Um, I did see you posting online, kind of um, surveying new things to work on, as if you don't have enough stuff to work on at this point. Yes, the kinds of things I'm working on so many things right now. <laughs> um, I guess for me, the thing is like I can't. Um, it's not so much that I'm looking for new things to work on that it's like I'm piling more on my plate. Mm-hmm. It's just that the way that I used to make work is no longer possible for me. Right. So I'm trying to find a system that makes sense mm-hmm. and how I'm going to use my, like, how am I going to best communicate what I want to communicate to the world through my work or whatever. Right. How am I going to do the most good? Right. For sure. Um and so, like, 
I heard that you know you posting musings of doing a solo podcast and what you'd want it to be about. Is that a thing that you're still intending to try and do? I am intending on doing a solo podcast at some point. Um, it's going to be part of Bump and Grind. So, like, it would be a situation where, like, Bump and Grind would be released certain weeks and then my solo podcast would be under the same, like, umbrella, but it would just be me. Right. Um, so it would be Bump and Grind Presents, Welcome to the Catriarchy. Which is um, the which best is name best name for a podcast ever. Yes. It's, uh, it's my favorite thing. I'm, I'm really glad that I switched to my real name because there's... Unlimited puns. Sure, of course. Make America Kate again. <laughs> um, so, I, I, if you if you don't mind talking about it, you can tell me you don't want to. But I was always curious mm-hmm. about the switch from Haley Jane to Kate Nix. Was there a reason for that? Yes, um, it was actually a kind of a long time coming. Um, so there is another Haley Jane, mm-hmm. and the other Haley Jane, and I have been in each other's circles sort of tangentially because we had the same name for years. Mm -hmm. I remember communicating with her on MySpace as much as maybe 15 years ago, 14 years ago. Wow. Um, So, and she's about, she's older than I am. And I don't know if Haley Jane is her legal name, but um, she's been Haley Jane for as long as I have, at least. Um, And... We've sort of been ships passing in the night. She did a little bit of burlesque and cabaret, and she lived in Boston. And um, uh, sorry, I like brain just like came to a halt. It okay, happens so to the she, best of us. No worries. <laughs> so she's sort of in burlesque and cabaret, and like we would get e- each other's emails all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Haley Jane has actually been my name since I was fourteen. Um, I've, my full name is Catherine Haley, Amanda, Nicole Nickerson. And I went by Haley from age like nine, eight or nine until I graduated high school. Um, my diploma has not my legal name on it because it has (laughs) Haley Jane Nickerson instead. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, it's also, I think illegal. (laughs) So like, who knows if I really graduated high school? (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) Um, I went to school online, so it was, like, barely a real school anyway. <laughs> oh, but, okay. um, but, uh, so I've been Haley Jane for quite some time, and, like, HaleyJane.com was my 16th birthday present. Like, I've been Haley Jane branded for, a, like, honestly, all of my adult life until that point. And, um, I had been Haley Jane doing burlesque and music and everything. I'd been in movies as Haley Jane. So, when Satan Silver Bullets was about to come out... Um, I was really proud of it and I didn't want it to be mistaken for someone else's work. Mm. And, um, like I had, there have been situations where there were articles written about me, but videos posted of the other Haley Jane in the article written about me, like to that point of people confusing us. Got it. Um, and we've never met in person, but we've been like, like I said, sort of. On each other's circles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when Sage and Silver Bullets was going to come out, I basically said, there's no way I'm going to let this be anybody else's. So I had to change my stage name. And I chose Kate Nix because it's basically my legal name. Um, uh, someone suggested Katie Nix as like a tribute to Stevie Nix. Mm. And... I didn't like that spelling of Nyx, so I chose Nyx like the goddess of the night. Right. Um, and Kate, because I'm not Katie, because I'm not nine. <laughs> um, there's like a very short list of people who are allowed to call me Katie. Um, so I, I decided that, yeah, I would just be Kate Nyx. And I've also wanted there to, like, I've always... I'm a sucker for cool letters, so, like, having an X in my stage name is really neat, because I can just connect, like, the Y and the X connect each other, and then there's, like, the X, cross of the X make a big slash, and it looks like a superstar rock star signature. <laughs> I was like, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I used to have to sign two little hearts to make my shit look cool, but now there's an X. It does it for me. There you go. Thinking outside the box. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what makes me a game changer. It does make you a game changer. <laughs> 
Um, shifting the conversation back to burlesque a little bit, because when looking through your site and the acts that you have posted, I, I'd seen photos of this before, but I had forgotten that you did it until I was looking at your site again today, that you have a Green Ranger act. I do. Um, and as a Power Ranger Specifically, nerd, it's a Green Ranger into White Ranger burlesque number. Which is like, so uh, this drills down to some hardcore nerd feels for me because I grew up watching the Power Rangers. I was just young enough for it to not be stupid for me to watch it. And... Uh, the great um, Jason was my favorite, the Red Ranger. Obviously, because oh wait, no, I, I like Jason, like Jason David. Yeah, Frank. yeah, no. <laughs> Jason was my my favorite Ranger, but then when the Green Ranger mm-hmm. came out and then became the White Ranger, like, I mean, how can you not fall in love with Jason David Frank anyway, just as a human? Uh, yeah. um I mean, he's a little bit, he's a little crazy now. A little bit, but, uh, but still it's very crazy. But still but, plugging along that uh, that con circuit though, but but yes. but. So is that that must just come from a deep love of Power Rangers? Hundred yeah, percent. Well, also the first like I I'd already liked Power Rangers when I was a kid. I, I had the little pink Ranger samurai outfit, um, and I remember it came with a pink plastic cassette tape that just played the theme over and over again. <laughs> and like, first of all, why would you give that to a child? Right. Like, what is wrong with you that you made a cassette tape that just had? The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. Not the full one, just the TV theme. Uh-huh. Over and over again. That's uh, it's, that's it's dangerous. Cruel. It's cruel and unusual punishment is what it is. Yeah, that's like I had a single of Ninja Rap from the second Turtles movie, Don't Judge Me, and I would play it on Too loop. Much. It drove my mother crazy. Yeah. Just insane. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a huge... I was a... I was... I'm not like a huge Power Rangers person. I'm just Mighty Morphin. I don't like yeah. pay attention to what they are now. Sure. Um, but uh, I was into Power Rangers in general. And then when my husband and I started dating, basically the entire first summer when every time we hung out, we were watching Power Rangers. <laughs> and then... And we, we are friends with some of the people who are part of Kaiju Big Battle. Um so that number was created as part of the Super Sentai striptease show, uh, which was our collaboration with Kaiju Big Battle back in the beginning of 2014. That's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think there's a there's a video on my YouTube channel. There's like a trailer for it yeah. or something. Um, I also enjoy that you quote uh, Flowbots, who are one of my favorite uh, groups uh, on your site as well. Um, that's actually the no- the song I do that number yeah. to is handlebars um but I it's it's like that like as like I said because I haven't been able to do the standing like, yeah of burlesque course. is farthest from my mind at this point because it's impossible for me to like I I mean even just being at shows is impossible for me at this point so all of the all of my burlesque stuff is just like packed into a corner that's heartbreaking. I mean, obviously, as I'm sure you 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 know, you're going through it, but it's just yes. you know, it's a it's a lot. The the honestly, the hardest part about all of this is like, I know I can do these things. Right. I know that I have done them. I've done all sorts of stuff. I do lots of different creative things, and sometimes I don't have the energy to do any of them. Yeah, and like having the inspiration and not the energy or not the um, physical mobility, like just any of that capability, like that's really been the hardest part because a lot of times for me too, like being in shitty situations makes me more creative. Right. So like I have more creative energy because I'm sad, but then my body's like, you can't use it because you have to do lying down instead. Yeah. And I'm like, great lying down. (laughs) Haven't done that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I you know, and I appreciate you being so open about it too. You know, uh, I think I think especially in the last couple of years in the 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 social state of the world being on fire, the the f- mm-hmm. enduring and being artistic and trying to create and cry, trying to still evolve and you know breaking down and building yourself back up is so important. Um, and it's not easy. And so, and I get a sense of that just from your, your, your public persona and, you know, your interactions with people that you're a person who, um, you know, works hard, cries hard, you know, builds hard, learns hard, you know, you, 
you give it your all when you put yourself into something. I have only one setting, and it's at 150. <laughs> percent It's it's off. It's either yeah. Uh, it's either 11 or off, and there's no between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but hey, at least when you're you know moving at max capacity, you're getting stuff done, right? Yeah, that's true. It's well, the the thing also that like as much as it is a painful experience to live through, it is making me. Um, forgive myself more for not being able to get things done yeah like when i was still hiding it it was hard because i wasn't telling anybody that i was unable to do what i was doing i was just pushing myself past my ability level because i felt like it right but now like people know what's going on so when i don't answer the phone for three days or whatever it's not confusing and I mean, you know, there's there's a certain level of power in that, just being able to be honest with yourself and those around you, which isn't easy. Yeah. No. It, I mean, it's. I think is for me, it's really like I don't have a choice. Like right. I don't think of. I don't think of. Um, I have tried to go through things, difficult things, without talking about them, mm-hmm. and I found that I genuinely do better when I'm communicating about my experience to my friends, fans, family, etc. Like I feel better when I've processed more publicly. And I mean, I know like why personally that is for me. Um and sometimes it feels like uh sometimes I feel like I'm just like the girl who cried wolf. Mhm. But for every time I feel like that, there's a person that messages me and says Thank you for saying something. And I just try to make that more important. I try to make those voices more important than the voice that's telling me that I'm what I'm doing is stupid or foolish. Yeah, it's hard to ignore that voice sometimes, but but yeah. but I, you know, as someone who can call you a friend now and has seen your online persona for so long and even over the last years I've gotten to know you better like seeing you be emotional on your live streams or, you know, raging online about a shitty experience that you had to go through or, you know, being so open as someone who also is an empath and who tries to be as open as possible. It, 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 it's really beautiful. Honestly, I don't know what else to call it. It's just really nice to know that there's someone out there who pours themselves into everything and that what, you know you're getting a hundred percent of them and that they're really honest there's no it's not fabricated it's not fake it's not false which there's so much of on the internet and so me personally i appreciate it and i know others do as well it's so interesting that you say that because for so much of my life experience i feel like i'm put on like i'm being a put on like that's really my, my my main like uh, symptom of my mental health throughout my existence like that I can remember yeah. like the symptom of the thing that's wrong with me the most is feeling like I'm playing myself on TV mm-hmm. and I feel like that or I did feel like that all the time when I was not as well as I am mm-hmm. now um, so it's interesting that like as someone who feels fake all the time it's just so interesting that that is processed as authenticity. Yeah, sure. Like I just I think that's really um, I think that's really interesting. Well, because also your perception of yourself isn't you know will or won't match other people's perceptions of you too. Yeah, I feel like everybody thinks I'm better than I am, but I feel like that's. Um, I guess I also I I'm the one who has to see all the worst parts of myself too. <laughs> Sure. I mean, like I'm the one who's I'm the one who's there at 3 a.m. when there's no one else. Like, right. I'm the one who has to put up with my shit. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that it's. Well, also for me, like I don't really socialize anymore now that I don't leave my house. Right. Um. So, like I don't have, like, human outlets. Like. Like, I don't have any, like, the person I talk to most, besides my cat, is my husband. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's like me, cat, husband. 
end of people I talk to on a daily basis. But um, I'm I'm learning that um, the more uh, faith I put in the people that, like, I, I was, sorry, let me back up a little bit. Sure. I started, I started reading this book called The Addiction Formula mm-hmm. about um, writing pop music and about um, using, like, and using energy curves and, like, all this stuff that's a really interesting way to look at songwriting. A holistic songwriting is the name of, the, like, the thing that he's talking about. The guy wrote it. It's some Scandinavian name that I can't pronounce that's, like, <laughs> Fliedlich, like, Friedrich, but it's, like, with, with that crazy... Scandinavian noise right. that sounds like you're gargling. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote this book called The Addiction Formula, and he says in the first chapter, he's like, you can do everything in this book perfectly, and it still doesn't work, because if you don't treat your fans like people, then they're not going to treat you like one. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't accept that they're, like, if you don't treat them like humans, then they're not going to treat you the same way. And... Not that I had never thought that before, and obviously I know that people who are fans of my work are people. Right. But I just had that moment of like, you know what? Really, they ha- like honestly, my online community really has been there for me when no one else has. Mm-hmm. Like when I was living in my car and my only friend was Facebook or whatever. Like I've had lots of times like that where like my only communication system is through social media or whatever. Or I've isolated myself for one reason or another and can't reach out elsewise. Like I. I'm really grateful for the people that believe in me enough to participate in the conversations that I have daily with the internet. And I just had this moment when I was listening to the addiction formula where I was like, just forget it. Like there's no point. There's no point in pretending that things aren't what they are. Right. Like it's more realistic because another thing is like, People idolize the talented. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not talented because I think I do have a natural gift for some things that, like, I just naturally am a creative person. Like, I am a naturally making person. But I also have been doing this for a long time. Like, I'm good at burlesque because I've been performing since I was a young child and dancing since I was a young child. And promoting myself since I was a teenager and being a musician and performing on stage and understanding storytelling concepts. And like a lot of people will see those things at the end and they'll say, Oh, you're perfect. You know what I mean? Sure. Like there's this like, Oh, well I could never be those things because you're this other type of person and I'm a person that shits and pees or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's that sort of like, like, oh, you're a talented person, so therefore you can do talented people things. And you just have room in your life for art because it just is there. Because you do, you live the life of an artist. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's this, like, it's like, no. It's, I just chose this. I said, I don't care if I'm comfortable. I have to be a maker. Yeah. And I, I said, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to figure out how. I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. Like, I didn't go to school for fashion design. I didn't even go to college. I barely graduated high school. Like, barely. I did also go to performing arts school as part of my high school, though, so that helped a little bit. Right. But, like, I think that by being honest about my experience and being like, yeah, today I couldn't stand, but I still sat up long enough to make a song on my computer. Mm -hmm. I think it shows more realistic, like, what the path to making art is like. That's that's awesome. Sorry, I'm a little just flabbergasted because of this the the wind down to this beautiful sentiment, and I I'm terrible at following up something serious. Crack a joke, and I can follow that easily. <laughs> but something serious. Also, I didn't want to jinx it, but I had noticed the dog stopped barking. 
ha! <laughs> I think it's I think it uh, just it, it's wore it vo- its voice out, and my voice is actually wearing out too. I am far too much of a weed chimney to have talked for this long. <laughs> well, uh, we're we're reaching the end, but thank you, Kate. First of all, thank you for doing the show. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to have you on and to talk about all these different things. I feel like we could talk for four hours and still not cover all the things you've done and do. Um, but well, I have a very urgent. Uh, garment for a very high profile company that I need to do so <laughs> I will talk to you later but uh, thank you so much for being on the show and yes. um, uh, the, the last thing I'll ask is we have a saying on the show which is music is life and life is good I would love it mm-hmm. if you could do our sign off uh, music is life and life is good if you enjoyed these interviews please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes where you can also rate us and review us you can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.